Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up, as the calendar moves into 2023, Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers offers some insight into the difference between resolutions and promises and comments on how we can be people who keep our promises in the coming year. Then it's pastor and former professional soccer player and coach Aaron Treadway reminding believers that our significance is in the Lord and providing encouragement in developing a mindset consistent with that truth. And on this edition of The Intersection, Bill Ginn of Southern Evangelical Seminary shares analysis relative to the current state of the church and the culture and how the church can impact the culture as God's people adhere to biblical truth. Finally, James Edwards is an expert on areas of patents and intellectual property and offers biblical and constitutional principles in that arena, which has become an area of concern, especially related to China, a topic explored in a film in which he appears. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ken Harrison is chairman and CEO of the Christian men's organization Promise Keepers, which challenges men to keep their promises just as God our Father has kept His. That is an important consideration as we enter the new year. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation taking place just before the end of 2022, he draws a distinction between a resolution and a promise. Here now from that conversation is Ken Harrison. Resolutions are nice thoughts and nice goals about I want to do this and I might do that. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm not going to eat any more chocolate cake. You know, I'm going to call my mother a lot more often or whatever those might be. Promises are commitments that we make that we hold ourselves accountable to. And so it's called promise keepers. And obviously the ultimate promise keeper is Jesus Christ. And none of us are ever perfect at keeping all of our promises. But promises are different than resolutions in that they come with accountability and responsibility. It's not a, gosh, I'll, I'll try harder. And that's where we have to make mm-hmm. sure we're clear about what words mean. Promises, I will... A wedding vow is a promise. I will stay loyal and faithful to you no matter what comes, no matter what comes in life. I don't get to say, well, gosh, you got sick or gosh, uh, we didn't have enough money. So I'm going to go off and, and take off and find a different spouse. A promise means I'm going to be with you to the end, no matter what. And so we'd be very, very careful. We talk about the promises of a promise keeper. When we make a promise, that's it. We are accountable to it. And so I think as people look at this and say, okay, um, spouse, wife, husband. Um, uh, this is not a resolution. This is a promise. This is something I'm committing, and I want you to hold me accountable to this commitment. That's a big deal. How is it that we can really develop a sense of making promises that are are ironclad that we that are that are rooted in Scripture? You know, I, one of those is living in the moment, and another one is I think going back if we haven't had a habit of making promises and keeping them and saying that we're sorry. And, and Bob, you've heard me say this before, but I think one of the most viable words any father can know and husband can know are I'm sorry. And uh, I, I think that there is, we have all let our kids down at some point. We've all responded incorrectly um, or we've made a promise that we couldn't keep and maybe it wasn't our fault we couldn't keep it. You know, maybe our plane got delayed or mm-hmm. um, we got help work or whatever. But it's remarkably effective to get down on your knee and say, honey, um, son, I promised you that I was going to take you here or do this. 
and I didn't keep my promise. And I'm very sorry, and I'd like to make it up to you. And I tell people all the time, you know, an apology is not just saying I'm sorry. An apology is saying what you did and then acknowledging verbally how it affected the other person and then making a commitment not to do it again. That's an apology. So, uh, you know, you're late to lunch with your wife, honey. I promised to meet you at noon. It's quarter after 12. And I'm terribly sorry that you had to sit here and I honored my own time more valuable than I honored your time. And I'm going to make these steps to make it better. That is the kind of thing that makes your wife go, oh, I, that, that, was, that really meant something. It's really hard to stay angry in the face of that, as opposed to, hey, you know, traffic was bad. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? Because that's not an apology. Right. That's, that's, an, that's an excuse, right? So keeping our promises, number one, if we have a, have a habit of not keeping them, we need to go and acknowledge that I have made these promises to you and I'm sorry. And I have not kept them. Here's what I'm going to do to make them in the future. And I would love it if you would hold me accountable, son, daughter, Mm -hmm. wife. I would love it if you would help me hold me accountable. Here's one of the ones I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to drink less alcohol. Let's take a a big one that a lot of people struggle with. And I'm going to clean it out of the house and, I would, you know, if you see a bottle of bourbon show up in the house, I'd, you have permission, if I forget and I break down, to take that bottle of bourbon and throw in the trash or whatever. But I'm just saying wherever you happen to be in life. And it's difficult if you make decisions or promises that you, do, you haven't made a, anything to, to keep that. So if you say, well, I'm going to lose my temper less often. Well, what is it that's causing you to lose your temper in the first place? Because if you go and make a promise, I'm, I'm not going to lose my temper so much without fixing whatever the problem is. All you're doing is making it worse. So. What is the issue? What is the promise? And what am I doing to actually keep that promise? And just trying really hard not to lose my temper is never a good idea, right? So what what steps am I taking to keep that promise in the first place? Ken Harrison here on The Intersection. The Promise Keepers website is promisekeepers.org. Well, up next on this edition of The Intersection, it's Aaron Treadway, former professional soccer player and coach, currently serving as lead pastor of Fellowship City Church in Cleveland, Ohio, and vice president of the Sports Ministry Ambassadors Football International. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he discussed his book entitled, Don't Miss Your Life, The Secret to Significance. Here now from that conversation is Aaron Treadway. I came to know Christ uh, as an 18-year-old. I grew up kind of going to church from time to time, but I would tell people that soccer was my God. <laughs> I worship soccer. That's what I wanted most in life. And um, after I came to know Christ, uh, I went on a mission trip three or four years later. Uh, never wanted to do that, but standing on the side of a dirt field in Zimbabwe in Southern Africa, uh, the Lord brought to my mind the story of Esther. And, you know, that famous story where Cousin Mordecai writes you the letter and says, could it be that God raised you up for such a time as this? Mm -hmm. And standing there watching these little kids, these African kids who had nothing, um, play soccer, and and we were able to play with them and share our faith in Jesus with them. You know, it's kind of like God said to me, do you think I left you on the soccer field all these years just for you? (laughs) Um, or is there something more? Is there a purpose, a God-ordained purpose that God had for me in soccer? And and I love to challenge people now. You know, I don't think that was a message just for me. 
You know, I think that, that you are exactly where you are because it was ordained by God. God wants to use people right where they're at with the tools and resources that he's given us. There are all sorts of, of things that people look to to gain significance. And I understand that you really talk about this whole concept of success. And perhaps you're offering from a biblical perspective a different outlook on what it really means to be successful. And I'd like you to elaborate just a bit on what you see as a biblical viewpoint of the concept of success. Yeah, if you look up the, the just a dictionary definition of success, it's the attainment of wealth, honor, or the like. That's kind of the dictionary de- definition of success. And it's interesting because, you know, you don't have to be a Christ follower to experience this. You can attain wealth, honor, or the like and still be largely unfulfilled still be left feeling like there's got to be something more. And it's this idea of, of, it's actually psychologically called hedonic adaptation, where if you ever feel like you're running on a treadmill and you just can't get off, that's because if you attain something, if you obtain something, ultimately you're going to rise to that level and it's going to become normal to you. So you're going to feel like you need something more. Where significance is very different. And if you look into the, well, let's just go back to the dictionary. Significance is interestingly defined as a worthy goal. (laughs) Look it up. Uh, It's very interesting, a worthy goal. And so this new book is all about finding a worthy goal. And I believe you can only find a worthy goal for life in God's word. And tell me from your standpoint, obviously you were pursuing what would appear to be success on the soccer field. Obviously, God has granted you some fruit with respect to ministry. You've been involved in a a number of different pursuits in your life. Has it always been for you about significance, or have you along the way somehow made a transition from really pursuing success, and I guess I could throw another word into the mix, excellence, or is it, is it something that you, you made a shift from, success, from pursuing success to pursuing significance, and how did that happen, if that's the case? Bob, I'm I'm on a journey, <laughs> just like everybody, and, and certainly I, I think um, you know, the, the whole thing about uh, the pursuit of success, nothing wrong with success. In fact, I would say go out and, and get as much success as you can, you know, make as much money as you can. The, the problem is not how much money you make or what car you drive. The problem is when those things, the things of the world, take the primary seat in our lives, when they become the target and the focus that we're aiming our life at. And for me, it was that experience in Zimbabwe, you know, several decades ago, that was a turning point and the beginning of a journey. Up till that point, I would say I was all in for the pursuit of success. That was my target. And it was at that moment that I started to think, well, maybe there's something more. And I really believe it's because God created each of us for his glory, not just our own. Aaron Treadway here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Aaron Treadway, T-R-E-D-W-A-Y dot com. 
This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. There are links to the Intersection Podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed. You can also find a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel where you can watch video content of Meeting House guests. Plus, there are two blogs accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that homepage address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Meeting House conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcasts when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, retired Superior Court Judge Phil Ginn. In our recent conversation, he shared analysis of the church and culture and commented on the importance of the church impacting the culture with biblical truth. Here now from that conversation is Phil Ginn. In fact, George Barna uh, in some of his studies have shown, have stated that less than 15% of the people in a in an evangelical church on, on any given Sunday morning actually understand what they believe and why they believe it. Now, this is not just any church. This is not just the population as a whole. This is in an evangelical church. Only 15% or less understand what they believe or, and why they believe it. So, we are ill-prepared in one sense, and we have not come to grips with the idea that we are in the crosshairs of a movement uh, within our nation that wants to eradicate Christ from the marketplace completely. Uh, and until we uh, come to grips with that um, and understand that, that this crowd is not going to stop with the simple neutering of the gospel, but they're, they're, they're going to they're seeking the, the utter destruction of the gospel uh, and its influence wiped from the face of the earth. Um, and if we simply just choose to remain silent uh, or compromise with this culture in order to keep our jobs or, or some comforts or, or, or some perceived preferable position within the mainstream, we're, we're going to discover that that neutrality has been in vain. Um, in fact, uh, the very inaction through which we seek to preserve a way of life is going to result uh, in the loss of our way of life as we know it. Um, so bottom line, if we as Christ followers believe that uh, we are saving our lives or, or our comforts by staying silent uh, because the world, uh, that we're dead wrong because the world is screaming at us either to join in with their sordid ways or we're going to die anyway. Hmm. So we don't have choice, um, and, and I'm interested uh, when I read uh, it's in Ephesians where Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. I'm fascinated by that a lot of times, and in looking at it uh, recently, I, I discovered that God 
that Paul challenges uh, challenges us as Christians to put on the whole armor of God. But in doing so, he doesn't tell us to go to war. All he tells us to do is to stand. And that's what I'm calling on Christians to do. It's time to stand up, to be counted, to look to see what we can do in our part, uh, as our part um, of uh, standing, uh, as we say at SDS, standing steadfast in the truth of the gospel message, and then impacting our culture with that truth. Uh, it's two-pronged. We, we can't just learn theology for the sake of head knowledge and, and being smart about Christianity. We've got, as you indicated well, we've got to uh, gird up our loins and go into the fray. What do you see that standing for Christ looks like in this, as you call it, Esther moment in which we find ourselves? Well, Bob, first of all, let me say, to not choose is to choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not. I I fully agree with, with some thoughts that you had there. We don't have the option of not choosing. Uh, we must choose either to to be um, impacting our culture for God, because if we fail to do so, I, I likened our situation to Samson, who uh, who confided in Delilah about cutting his hair, and, and then he went out after she had done that, and after he went out to do battle, he did not realize that the power of God, had spirit of God, had left him. And so that's where we're getting close to being in our nation. And one of the things that that we focused on at Southern Evangelical Seminary is a Latin phrase called quorum Deo. And very simply, that phrase means living your life as you're doing so before the very face of God. So when we talk about the strength of the Word of God, it is by that Word which Christians will be judged. In fact, the whole world will be judged, but we'll be judged by the uh, the Word of God. And quite frankly, I do not believe that God is a God of mediocrity. I do not think that mediocre service to God is very acceptable to Him. Bill Ginn here on The Intersection. You can learn more about Southern Evangelical Seminary by going to the website ses.edu. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, some comments from James Edwards. He is founder and executive director of Conservatives for Property Rights and patent advisor for the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defense Fund. He is featured in a film called Innovation Race, and in our recent conversation, he offered a biblical and constitutional perspective on topics of patent rights and intellectual property. Here now from that conversation is James Edwards. What do you see as the biblical issues at play in this overall topic area? Well, really uh, two things. Um, uh, One is, and both are are inherent uh, uh, facets of being human, that is of being creatures, the highest creature God created and did and made us in his own image. We are the image bearers as human beings of the God of the universe. And so God is creative. We know that 
if you just flip pretty much to any page, you're going to see some reference almost uh, to God's creativity. I mean, it begins, of course, with Genesis 1. Uh, God create, um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it goes on and on in more detail, especially in the next couple of chapters. But throughout uh, Scripture, you, you see references to God who created the heavens and the earth and things like that. Uh, it's it's so you know all the way to the book of Revelation and talking about the new heaven and the new earth. I mean God's creativity is profound and and everywhere. Uh, so God graciously endowed human beings with a creative feature or element as well. Uh, the second thing is God's ownership. Think of the, the, I mean, just one example is is the the passage, I believe it's Psalm 8, where it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, i.e., God made everything and he owns everything he made. And similarly, he endows to human beings what the founders of our country set set into uh, uh, beautiful um, uh, words is, um, unalienable right, the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and pursuit of happiness essentially means private property rights. So the private property rights is a broad term. It doesn't mean simply land or your money or your your house and car or your clothes or whatever possessions you have. It means your ideas. It means everything you can see. It means everything you uh, create. Um, if you invent something, well, dead gum, you own it. You made it. It didn't exist previously. And by the grace of God, you came up with something that's, that's new. Uh, same with, you know, other intellectual property. Of um, uh, You write uh, an essay. You write a book. You uh, design a, a computer program. Whatever it is, if you make it, you own it just inherently. So uh, ownership and creativity as human features and, and under God's general revelation and under the common grace that he extends to us, um, that doesn't just simply apply to Christians. It applies to every human being because they are image bearers of God. James Edwards here on The Intersection. The film's website is innovationracemovie.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. There are links to the Intersection Podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed. Plus, you can watch video of Meeting House guests on the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link from the homepage. You can find links to two blogs, 
One is the three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also the front room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Well, thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. Happy New Year to you. I'm Bob Crittenden.